It's on. Oh, crisp with the bush latte, oh, ladies and gentlemen. You love to hear it. Oh yeah, everybody loves to hear it because you know what? Bush latte is so far not an official sponsor, but we would appreciate if they would officially sponsor us. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Covert Show. As I take a quick sip here. You know, I'm going to interject with some good bush latte story, you know. I'll go for I'm it. I'm down in St. Louis, opening day, just finished up. Blue Jays got a 10-9 win. You'll have to hear it. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, bush lattes, four days. Oh, well. Is what we were sipping on today. Well, I was going to say, one, you're at a baseball game. So you have to have, whether... Whether you sit and watch a baseball game on TV, whether or not, even if you listen to it on the radio and you have, like, friends around or you're sitting at a game, if you don't have a beer in your hand and you're of legal age, that is so, I'm going to say it, it's un-American. Yeah, it's it's criminal. It's un-American. Yeah, it's, like, blasphemous. So, for those of you who aren't aware, today was opening day. For all you, you baseball aware, fans. That's another thing that's not American. Mm-hmm. How do you not know it's opening day? Facts, bro. Like, <laughs> I was I was talking to one of my buddies at work the other day. Like, actually, it was yesterday. So, fact check myself. But I was like, oh, bro, tomorrow's opening day. And, like, turkey season for Iowa is, like, within a week of opening day. April, or April 10th is opening day for turkey season. I'm like, tomorrow's opening day? And he's like, dude, no, it's not. And I was like. For baseball, not turkey season. He goes, oh, I was like, well, you got all your socks messed or put on wrong. And I'm like, I don't know. That, that was a horrible reference. I don't know where that came from. I was all twisted around. Regardless, anyways, <laughs> we're rolling here. So it's opening day. Oh, Teams are in action, and it's opening weekend. This is probably, we've said it before on the show. I know JC has religiously said this is one of the best sport days in history. This is one of the, like the best sporting oh, yeah. weekends in history. That's right up there with March Madness. MOB Facts. opening day slash weekend. Facts. Facts. <laughs> Facts on the check. And right now we've got one game still going live on opening day. So whenever this podcast comes out, it'll already be done. But so far right now, the White Sox and the Astros are in Houston right now. And it's the bottom of the ninth, and it just now got to a 3-2 to two score with one out. So the Astros are looming here trying to get themselves oh. back into contention of getting a so win, the I should say. are down? Yeah, it's three to two. <laughs> you love to see it. Oh, yeah, you love to see it. And pretty much everybody loves to see the Astros basically try to take an L because I yeah. I know a couple of Astros fans, and they aren't bad oh, Astros fans. But everybody, no, pro- everybody probably knows them, but everybody knows exactly what the hell – the Astros did wrong, even if you're a fan or not. If you're a fan of baseball, you have a vendetta against the Astros at some point in your life right now. So, with that well, in mind, we're basically just going to break down some opening days real quick. So, JC, why don't you start us off since you, you know, got to go visit an opening day game. You know, this has been a, a wild, like, month for me because I've checked off in this last month, March Madness, opening day, and a full series of baseball all in the same, like, month period, give or take. It's nuts. Um, so, you know, Cardinals, Blue Jays, uh, 10-9 for those that didn't look at the score. Uh, Blue Jays got up 4-1 early. This game was, you know, back and forth. Both starters looked 
I'll say it. Not good. <laughs> a little rocky. Uh, well, when you give up five runs each, that's more than a little rocky. But you know. oh yeah. Um. So you know, there's that. But here's the thing: Guerrero comes through twice and uh, gets it, gets her going down the stretch, and um, yeah, it's it's a solid solid win. Blue Jays get it done 10 to 9 on opening day. Meanwhile, we still have a few games that aren't played yet. Right now, the Rockies and Padres are also in action. They just got their game started. Rockies actually just played her to run on a single by Crone. <clears throat> so Chris Bryant just scored from sec or just scored. So Rockies no, are up. I like what the MLB does. Not to cut you off. I like what the MLB is doing similar to what um March Madness does on their first weekend. Mm-hmm. Everything's staggered. You could watch from noon to ten. Yeah, at a first start. It's and that's insane. It is pretty insane. But for baseball fans everywhere, like my our my buddy Doctor Jack, aka Kenny Wexler, aka my best friend, he lives in cat or he lives in Las Vegas. But he gets to watch his famous L.A. Dodgers. They start at nine p.m. our time. So that's like what. So I think it's like just about to kick off here. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be about 7 o'clock. So in about 10 minutes or so, or 20 minutes or so, give or take, 10 to 15, 20, whatever. I'm discombobulated if You're you guys can't tell. No, I'm not very good at math. But when has math ever been good on this show? It's not. Angels. That's one of our many sticks. <laughs> Angels in Oakland kick off tonight. This is going to be a battle to see who, honestly, and I'm sorry, is going to be the worst of the night. <laughs> even though Shohei Otani is on the mound for L.A. So they've got that going for them. Guardians Mariners still got to kick off at 9, or at least pitch off at 9 as well. So all those games happening at 7. And right now, still with two outs, the Astros are still looming with a runner on first right now with a 3-2 ball game. But otherwise, scores around the league, so or scores around baseball so far. Braves get a big win over the Nats. Seven to two with Tyler Dar- or Travis Darno going four hits on the day with a big R- or two RBI double. The Yankees cap off a 5-0 shutout against the Giants with Judge with a homer in his first at bat of the season. So there you go, the f- one of the first home runs of the year hit by Aaron Judge. Who would have guessed it? Probably a lot of people. The Orioles, yeah, the Orioles sneak away with a game to start off the season. 10-9 to nine over the good old Bo Sox. Here, here's the funny line on that. You had 19 runs on 26 hits in that game with three errors um, committed between both teams. So the Orioles starting off hot with a win on the road at Fenway, nonetheless. So that's big for them. Tigers end up dropping a game to start off their season as the Rays take them down for nothing. Phillies drop game one to the Rangers, 11-7. Twins take away a win from the Royals, 2-0. So the Royals starting off wonderful as always. Mets with a 5-3, drop, or 5-3 victory over the Marlins. We talked about this just before we got on the show. The battle for the NL Central worst has already kicked off, and one team that was at the bottom last year starts off at the bottom again. The Reds drop to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And also, you know, my mo- keep going, sorry. I was going to say, my mom and I, as we're watching this game, we're keeping tabs on the Reds because, you know, my brother and dad are Reds fans. 
this is the most red thing of all time. Oh yeah. You at home <laughs> losing to the pirates. On opening day nonetheless. Like that's come on, dude. That's tough. Big time tough. O'Neill Cruz crushes a one hundred mile an hour homer. Like bat speed hundred plus off of the Reds pitcher Hunter Green to start off his season. So Pirates are hopefully trying to wave the Jolly Roger a little bit more this year. Otherwise, the last game that I didn't get to because JC started off the MLB segment with it. I'm going to end the MLB scores, at least, because we'll still probably talk about the MLB. The Cubbies start off with a one-win opening day once again. And I'm stupid. I'm not wearing any Cubs gear today right now. I just, wow. dude, I just realized what that. What is I, happening? Dude, I don't, where do I have a, I don't think, it, oh, no, my Cubs hat's in my bedroom. Oh. Oh, that's tough. But the Cubs get a 4 nothing win over the Brew Crew, so, and they still have the weekend series. Dansby Swanson gets his first hit as a Cubby. Marcus Stroman <laughs> got the win on the mound, and they beat Corbin Burns, which a that's former a former Blue Jay yeah. and Marcus Stroman, mind you. Yes. And so the Cubs are starting off good. They still got a long weekend ahead of them. They still got a long season. The Blue Jays still have a long season and a long weekend ahead of them. So we're going to circle back to that. Jimmy okay. Garcia gets the win. Jordan Romano gets the save. Jordan Romano is the only person out of the pen today for either side that looked good, by the way. George Springer, five for six. Holy crap. Five hits, four runs. Bo Bichette, four for six. Both had an RBI. Guerrero, two for four, got hit by a pitch with three RBIs. Varsho has his first career hit, a couple of RBIs as well. Here, you know, you look at the pitchers. Manoa, Pop, Swanson, Meza, Bass, Simber, Garcia, and Romano. Count it up, that's eight. Jeez. Cardinals, wait, wait for it. Cardinals. The guy I can never pronounce his name right. Michaelis, Michaelis, whatever. Thompson, Verhagen, Palante, Hicks, Helsley. Easy for me to say. Six. 14 combined pitchers. uh, 34 hits and 19 runs. Holy crap. That is insane for an opening day game. Score by inning for those wondering. Blue Jays are up 3-1 after one. 4-1 after two. 4-3 4-3 after 3. Uh, math is hard. 5-5 five, five after 4. 5-5 five, five after 6. Cardinals led 6-5 six, after 6. 7-6 seven, six after 7. 9-8 uh, after the 8th. And the Blue Jays got it done in the ninth. Again, Guerrero sacks fly for the lead. Springer hit. Uh, and then Guerrero had a single that scored two in the eighth that gave us the lead at 8-7. So Donovan homered, O'Neal homered, and that was it for the Cardinals. Blue Jays, 10 runs, zero home runs. That, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty impressed with that. Base hits win ball games, folks. If you're if you're a baseball fan or a former player or like a player or anything, base hits win ball games. of them today, man. Home runs are pretty, but base hits win ball games. So the Blue Jays getting it done with the bats. 
The Cubbies getting it done with the bats. A lot less scoring in this one because all four runs came in the fourth or in the third inning for Chicago. But on the mound for the Cubs getting the win, Marcus Stroman, he had six innings pitched. He had eight Ks and three walks. Burns on the other side of it. He had five innings pitched, four runs, three Ks, three walks apiece. Dansby Swanson going three for four with a ribby. Starting off the season hot. Ian Happ went one for one with a hit. Um, Bellinger had a whopping three at-bats, went 0 for 3. Trey Mancini with a hit to start his Cubs career. Nico Horner, I do not see. There he is. Nico Horner leading off for the Cubs today, but he only had one hit out of out of four. But Nico Horner also just signed a three-year contract with Chicago. Thank God we need somebody else to kind of hold off that infield as well. But the Cubs, have a, they do have a strong infield. So I will say that's pretty good for the Cubbies. Pitching-wise, Stroman got the win. Then you put in Thompson, uh, Boxberger, and then Fulmer to close it out. So only four pitchers used there. And on the same side, it was or it was the same on the other side for the Brewers. Only four pitchers used throughout the day. So, I mean, that's a pretty good day of pitching for both teams. And also, no home runs for the Cubs as well. So both of our teams still looking for a, for a good old four-bagger in a base knock, so. Yeah, and we go back to the White Sox and Astros. The White Sox did us a service today. 3-2 win. Nobody scores in that game till the seventh. Grandal homers for the White Sox. Vaughn doubles the center, and that is it. Graveman, or, yeah, Graveman. Yeah, Kendall Graveman. Graveman gets the win. Presley gets the loss. Lopez with the save. And, you know, because it's the series I'm at, so I'm going to keep talking about it. The matchup's coming up Saturday. So this series for St. Louis and Toronto goes Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Saturday's matchup, the Blue Jays, should be pretty solid. Kevin Gosman goes up against Flaherty for the Cardinals on Saturday. And then Sunday we get more interesting. Uh, A pitcher I'm not exactly familiar with, Chris Bassett, takes on Montgomery. So that might be a tougher one. But Gosman coming up on Saturday, I'm excited to see what he can do. And then we go across the great state of Missouri to take on the Royals for a four-game series. And you get the high, you get the highway battle on that, which is always, I, I will say, even though the Royals can be, excuse me, shaky on the start, they the, the highway battle is usually pretty pretty entertaining. So that will be a good game to look for, or that'll be a good series to look forward to, especially this early in the season. Well, you look, Blue Jays and Royals is fascinating because it's Barrios versus Singer on Monday. So, and Barrios isn't favored in that game, which is... Wait a second. The a Blue, little iffy. The Blue Jays go to Kansas City. Is that what you said? I got, wow. Yes, yeah. I'm so You're discombobulated good. tonight. Just, Holy shit. You know why? Because we didn't take our 40 minutes of pregame. <laughs> <sighs> wow. I'm, I'm done stupid right now. It, it's insane. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at everything. My brain's still fried from the heat from Alabama. Holy shit. Good <laughs> yeah. lord. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that, that's, uh, yeah. that was a cool thing you got to do. Good old uh, Bama. Oh, yeah. It was fun. We had a blast. The family that we stayed with was super, super awesome. Um, our company has done a lot of work with them for the last couple of years. Uh, 
the dad of the family, Kyle, he is uh, one of our guides for the Squirrel Master Classic that has won with us two years in a row now. So it was fun staying with him and his family. So I will say this, shout out to good old, and I will say this correctly, this is not me being discombobulated, shout out to brother and shout out to Walt, because I know those two kids, they may not listen to the podcast. I'll probably be able to get them hooked on there. I don't know if Kyle will let them hear much of the, the swearing that goes on with the show and some of the topics, but shout out to those two. Cause they, we're not that bad. We actually, okay, for for a podcast ran by two 24-year, or like two mid-20-year-olds who... <laughs> yeah. Who, the topics aren't wrong. No. The, the, swear, the swearing's plentiful. Yeah. That's just how we roll around here. Yeah, that's just that's how you roll in the Midwest. Also, besides the the Bush lattes, I mean, we're we're a good group of guys, so we are a somewhat child friendly podcast. If you guys are wanting, if your kids are old enough to hear cussing in the house, which is probably by the age of five, you're good. So, <laughs> I know there yeah, was that's, that's fair. Oh, there was so much swearing. Like when I was growing up, it was just insane <laughs> to where it was just like it was family, it was family friends, it was my parents, and I was like. The the phrase they hear worse at home is probably so accurate it hurts because I guarantee you that a kid here is probably worse than at home. We were speaking of that. We were at an Iowa Cubs game like last summer, or yeah, it, it was last summer, and um, I was with Audrey and her parents, and then like a couple of our friends. They were we were sitting right next to this group of parents. Your take on this may be a little interesting depending on where you fall. But here's oh, my th- here's my thing. So the family in front of us I think had like four had three or four kids. Two of them were probably the ages of maybe 6 to 9 like within that four three to four year bracket from six to 10, like six sure. to nine, all that. The other one might have been a little bit small. But at the same time she's <laughs> sitting next to like this family is sitting next to five 20 year olds, 20 plus that oh, are God. of legal age and are sitting there <laughs> and we're, we're behaved. I will say this. We were behaved. We would let a couple of, couple of swear words slip out every once in a while. There may or may not have been an F drum bopped on the state, dropped on the stadium, but this mom, you're having a hell of a, you're having a hell of a time tonight, dude. <laughs> did I say F drum bopped? Yep. <laughs> Add it to the list. Eighteen twenty nine. Oh, oh my gosh. Anyway. Anyway. Oh man. So the F bomb was dropped. Now you gotta think about it really. I know. i I have to do a lot of thinking sometimes and my one brain cell can't take it. Um <laughs> and so we're sitting there and a couple of us like we we were not being super, super loud, like we would get into the game and everything like that. And her parents weren't like Audrey's parents weren't even like remotely phased by it. And all of a sudden, I, out of the corner of my eye, I see this lady look over at her husband and just give him the stare of, tell them to turn or turn around and tell them to shut up. And he, he didn't even look in her general direction. This man was just, <laughs> just. And as I'm sitting right now, just he didn't want to be a Kevin, despite oh, the fact his wife was trying to be a Karen. Dude, I don't think I had contained laughing so hard. Oh my gosh. I was literally, it took every ounce of me not to say, like lean over and tap him on the shoulder and say, Hey, we'll shut up, but way to hold your ground. 
because this man, this man was not Don't make his situation worse. <laughs> I know, which He's is why I gonna said, get his ass reamed oh, when he yeah. gets home. Bro, he was gonna get it reamed regardless. <laughs> they left. They moved. They either moved seats or they left. But I'm oh, sitting here. No. Poor oh, Gerald, dude. We they had moved and left, and her Audrey's parents like literally look over and they were like, "Did they just like leave, like get up and leave?" And this game was still in like the sixth inning. <laughs> that and, is awesome. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, "Bro, she literally could have just turned around and asked us to like calm down a little bit, and we weren't Relax. even being that bad." Yeah, calm down. Yeah, yeah just like, "Hey, it's could not you... complicated." Exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm sitting there. I'm like, "Okay." This is my thinking behind this. And as a parent, I would probably think differently. But at the same time, as sports fans, you understand exactly what you're getting into when you go to a game, no matter if it's a minor league game, a major league game, NBA or NFL, whatever sport you are going to, you get the situation because loudmouth Jerry over there ain't going to control his mouth. Freaking Connor down in the front row is probably just excited that he got his cotton candy for the first time and is seeing a baseball game. There's so much else going on around you that one group of 20-year-olds that is sitting behind you that is just having a grand old time minding our own business and not doing anything. Maybe slip out a couple of cuss words. I mean, holy crap, at the College World Series, fans are almost worse sometimes, and we're tossing around beach balls and shit. I don't think I had ever just wanted to wave somebody by so hard in my life. And we all looked at each other and we're like, I think they just left because of us. And we look over and they had moved five other rows to like an empty section. And I'm like, oh my god! Oh my God. Here's my take with that. You know, oh. to circle back. I'm going to take middle ground like I like to do on this podcast oh, yeah. a lot of things. I'm going to say you guys were fine, but... Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with, honest to God, just being like, all right, I've got a five-year-old kid. Can you guys just relax a little bit? Like, I, I mean, I don't think, you know, you need to be, like, quiet like you're in church. Like, yeah. I don't think that's necessary. But, I mean, you know, a little reminder I don't think would have offended anybody. Oh, no. And that and that's where I would have been like, all right, yeah. Because, like, I'm a, I'm a very reasonable guy. I'm a very good, like, I'll – de-escalate the situation type of person like if she would have turned right. around and said could you guys like kind of contain yourselves I would have been like yeah sure like whatever you need us to do to get through the game like I will I will do that because it's like as a as a person who wants kids and as like a, a sports fan in general you know how rowdy people get and it's just like yeah you got to be respectful of your environment there are plenty of kids here that's why they don't play cussing music on the sound system and all that it's a family friendly environment right right but to honest, but that's an oh. overreaction to a team. This is somebody. Here's the other side of this. This is somebody that's never been to a pro game. I would yeah. set you money because if you go to a pro game, now I got news for you. You're not gonna be able to move five sections over and be pissy about it. Yep. Like you're gonna have to. You either a accept it because you know even today there were there were small children that were yelling and screaming. Yep. In in the general area, like you know. It's like on a plane. That's annoying. Oh. I'm just going to say, it. it's annoying. But do you turn around and scream at the child or, like, try to move five rows away? No, you don't. No. Because you're an adult. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's, 
That's amazing, though. That is a tremendous story. <laughs> or in this case of her, she looks at her husband and basically says, either help help us or you're sleeping on the couch. That man chose his hill to die on, and I guarantee you he was comfy as hell on the couch when he got home. <laughs> I'm sorry, lady. He got, he got his ass reamed. <laughs> From the time they were leaving the stadium, <laughs> all the way to when they got home, oh, all the way from the car to their house, tucking his kids into bed, going to bed with his wife, and then to the couch. He got his ass oh. reamed every second of that, I... just because he wouldn't tell you guys to shut up. <laughs> and there was one time where he looked over at her, and I think, and I could be making, I don't even know, but he like shrug. I think he shrugged, just like, what do you want? <laughs> What am I supposed to do? Like, good for him because there's yeah. a, there's a certain level of like, you don't need to do that. No, it's like, <laughs> and especially if he would especially if he would have turned around and like, granted, I would have had no problem if she would have turned around and like talked to us. That's fine, but he was sitting directly in front of me. She was sitting three seats away from us. And we were, I will tell you this, we were swearing, but like, we were like, if we were swearing around it, we were like whispering, but like, if it was a bad call or like a good hit, we were going to get rowdy. Cause it's like, that's just what you do. That's called, that's called going to sport. Oh yeah. But this guy knew if that we <laughs> keep going. I mean, if you're going to these things, you're, you're, you've got to typically, you've got a team to cheer for. And if you don't, you just sit quietly and watch. But like, oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. But this guy was sitting directly in front of me, and he knew we were trying to be quiet because, like, we had realized that there were small children there, and like right in front of us. Otherwise, it was empty road. It was like kids were not existent in our like little section box that we had. And so this guy was probably thinking, like, okay, they're doing decent. Like, am I am I gonna take this or am I just gonna swallow my pride and just be like, oh well. And so he just decided to say, oh, well, and took every ounce of that. So shout out shout out to you, whoever you are at the Iowa Cubs. If you're listening to this podcast and this is you, one, I'm sorry that we're talking shit on your on your your wife because we're, we're not trying well, to like. Know, we're just going to give you a nice cheers. Yeah. With the <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll give you, we'll give you a hilarious. bush light cheers. So. <laughs> oh, so throwing it back to. Kansas City and Toronto because I thought it was St. Louis and Toronto or St. Louis and Kansas City because my mind is just gonzo. What do we got for the rest of the pitching for that game or so that series? Right oh, here. he's I going. He's going back to it. I gotta find it. I gotta find it. Well, I got the pitching for the Cubs for the next couple of days while he's finding that tomorrow or so Saturday. We have Gosman. We have Gosman. Uh, Gosman tomorrow or Gosman Saturday. Bassett Sunday, and then uh, Barrios the first day of the Royals. Second day of the Royals is Kikuchi, which is a fascinating one because he was a rocky road to follow yet last year. Oh, my God. Uh, And then Alec Manoa back on uh, the fifth. There you go. Again, that cranky. Oh, what Ooh. a matchup on the fifth. That's spicy. That'll have to be a that'll have to be a Wednesday watch. We'll see if I can get some Bally right. Sports going up on that. Right. And then the uh Kevin Gosman will do the finale against Lyles. You know, I don't know Kansas City pitching, but There you go. For the so Cubs for the Cubs coming up on Saturday, you got Woodruff getting the Saturday start. On Sunday you got Lauer and then going up 
of course, to open up the season. This is going to be in Cincinnati. We got the Reds coming up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. You got Overton, you got uh, Sessa, and then you got Green for Chicago starting that Wednesday game. And then we go um, back home to Chicago to face Texas on April 7th, 8th, and Easter Sunday on the 9th. So I hope you sweep them. I hope we sweep both teams because if we don't sweep both teams. You know, we were as part of the pregame festivities. Since the NL Central became the NL Central, the Cardinals have either won it outright or shared 13 times. That is more than the rest of the division put together. Think about that for a second. That is that is more than the rest of the division put together. That's insane. I've said it for a long time. There are two divisions, the AL Central, that is, terrible and the NL central that while you get a contender out of there, the the bottom three teams in the central are God, they're terrible. You get like the Cardinals and the Brewers maybe, or the Cardinals and like the pirates for a little bit kind of. Yeah. But like, man, those bottom, the Cubs, the Reds, the pirates, the Brewers, whoever the bottom three this year are going to be. God, they are awful. And so this is this will not play any part into the end of the season. If this does, I need to come back and find this clip because this is freaking hilarious. So far right now in the NL Central, after one day, the Pirates are shining with glory at the top, tied with Chicago with one win apiece, no losses. And then it goes down the list of the Cardinals in third, Reds in fourth, Brewers all the way down at the bottom. So if that, if this holds up and this is how the season goes, that would be hilarious. I would laugh so hard. But it's not going to because like JC just said, the NL Central is the epitome of a dumpster fire when it comes to... And- the race you know. for dead end, which is which is pretty much the same for the right now. The bottom two teams for um, the or the bottom two teams for the uh, AL Central, and then the bottom three, or honestly, sometimes even the bottom four when it comes to the AL West, because you got last year the Mariners were doing pretty good, and then there's obviously the Astros in the AL West. Otherwise, you got the Rangers. And that's it. Yeah, that is it. After that, the AL West is horrible. Also, AL East. <sighs> Tampa won today. Blue Jays won today. Yankees won today. Baltimore won today. Who beat Boston? And that's the only team in the AL East that did not win today. We love to see it because none of the. Do we though? Hear me out though. Hear okay. me out. Okay. I would love one year where Toronto is just, you know, beating the brakes off everybody. I want one year where there's not four of the five teams that are going to be hyper-competitive for the division. And I'm, I do believe Baltimore. I, this is the first time in years I'm going to say it, but I do Whoa. believe Baltimore could be a contender. Hold, hold on here. Hold on. We got, <laughs> we got another interesting development as the camera now had to cut a clip. So hold on. <laughs> Rephrase this because I want, to put, I want to put this back out. Last year... I at this time. Believe. No, 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 no. Hold on. Last year at this Last time. Year at this time <laughs> and this is going. Um, hold the break. Pump the break. Pump the break, sir. Let me tell you. Last year I said Baltimore was going to be bad. Facts. And they were. I. They just this year, and the whole AL East will benefit from this. 
playing NL teams instead of your AL East opponents like 10 times or whatever, 18 times, whatever you did, I think opens up the doors for Baltimore to be better, Toronto to be better. You know, Boston and New York are going to be what they are. I think it opens up the door for Baltimore to be a better team. I, I, I think agree. For a, long, for a long period of time, there will be a four-team race. I, oh, and I did forget to mention one thing that you I, probably saw on social media about the Cardinals and Blue Jays game. You know yeah. who sang the national anthem today? No, I did not see that. Adam Wainwright, baby. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to and Mr. It was, Wainwright. You know, it was one of those of, it was good. <laughs> I, I mean, I had no idea it was coming. I didn't know he was singing it. Was but, it short, man, sweet, and simple? Alive. No, he drew that baby. He was good for him. His, like he's on his last, you know, year. Oh yeah, and he drew that baby out, and it was a thing of good for they're playing the high, they're, they're playing the highlights here in the hotel. Oh, love it. Oh, here's the Guerrero hit. Oh, you love to see it. Yeah. Also, baby in the right field. Let's go. For those of you who are unaware of it at the moment, JC is currently strolling around a hotel in downtown St. Louis. So. We got it's that. what I do, big dog. It is. <laughs> and so here's another opening day headline because this is interesting because I just saw this pop up on ESPN at the moment. So according to this, after today, because this is the first time that DeGrom debuted with the Rangers. This was his debut on opening day. Apparently, Mr. DeGrom was not thoroughly, um, what's the word I'm looking for, impressed with his own start. Because we'll read this off for you. Oh, Lord. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? There we are. So, Jacob DeCrom, three and two-thirds innings pitch, six hits, five runs, all earned. But he still had seven Ks and no walks. Because DeGrom will just do what DeGrom wants to do. But at the same time, shaky start at his first ever pitching experience for the Texas Rangers, and that was at Globe Life Field in Texas. So... Is this going to be possibly a shaky start for DeGrom? We don't know. Because isn't Scherzer is on the Rangers too, isn't he? Because uh, Mad, Mad Max went to the Rangers, I believe. That could be. I don't know. I'll take a I look at this. I try to pay year. attention to Texas very little. Well, because there, there was a lot of of trades going on. And this is probably, I'm going to get this very, very wrong here. No, Mad Max is not, I, don't, I can't remember where. Max Scherzer went this year. So, sorry, bad fact check on my part. But otherwise, it's it's going to be interesting to see how all of these new pitchers, when they moved, are going to deal with their teams. Because DeGrom now is with, right. the, with the Rangers. And we all know the Rangers are not the best team. No, they're not. And Shaky like at them best. That way. Yeah. So... We'll see where they're on a list for me, like the Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, the teams that are like, yeah, not a big fan. Yeah, you could you could go away with them, but Houston's on that list too. Houston's on that list for everybody. But so going back through for tomorrow, the last couple of games that are getting played on a Friday afternoon: the Mets Marlins. That game pitch first pitch at five forty. White Sox Astros, that game for game two is at 710. Rockies Padres, that game is going to be at 840 Pacific time. So 
that would be about six for those of you listening on the West Coast. Diamondbacks and Guardians start at pretty much 7 o'clock on the West Coast. And then for the Midwest folk, that is 9 p.m. So that's tomorrow's slate of games. Folk. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the good folks. The good folks the who good, appreciate good the beer. The good folks of the Midwest. Yeah, otherwise... <laughs> Saturday's got a full slate of games. Sunday's got a full slate of games. Ladies and gentlemen, baseball is back, and we are happy, and we are proud, and it, it's America again. We have baseball. You know, I was listening to, on our drive down here this morning, from good old Hannibal, for those that are familiar with Missouri, took a two-hour drive down here to St. Louis. We were listening to KMLX out of St. Louis, and yeah. the debate came back up about how we should make this a national holiday which I'm pretty sure we had this exact same conversation last year. We did. This and March Madness, the first weekend, that Thursday and Friday of March Madness, first weekend, those two days should be a holiday, and opening day of baseball should be a holiday. Facts. 1,000% facts. Which, you know, if we're all being honest, no one does any work on those days anyway. Oh, no. Especially if you're a sports fan. Well... I, I will say this, because this is kind of a nice little segue jump into it. Um, you, at the beginning of it, you love it. At the end of it, you want to rip your hair out and slam your head against the wall, because March Madness this year for anybody has been just a total. And I, I might, you, I, I'm going to, for all those parents out there, I'm going to, Trigger warning. Uh, this I'm going to swear. Yeah, this has been a clusterfuck. <laughs> like, literally, dude. March has been a total just bomb dropped. Every Like, Audrey has a bracket of whose mascot would win in a fight. One of her last teams standing is Miami, and that is her champion. And currently right now, the Hurricanes, it's Hurricane Audrey at this point because they're riding their way all the way through to Houston. Your last final four teams in this year's March Madness. We'll start on, we'll start from the West and the Midwest. UConn. Ken, none of them are, bo- none of them are lower than a three. Correct. UConn. They're all four and higher, baby. (laughs) UConn is the four seed. You've got the Huskies, who I had in the championship game already of my main bracket. They were facing Alabama. That got busted last week on my flight to Alabama. They decided to just choke themselves out. So Alabama, gone. And this is funny, because in my March Madness Challenge, me and one other person who had UConn in the Final Four in Alabama, who had, I believe, the same two teams, their final score was 74 to 63. Mine is 74 to 66. So I could basically get second off of a tiebreaker, and one of my buddies has UConn winning. Now, I could still win this bracket potentially with my amount of points. There's a lot of math that goes into there that I'm not going to get. So anyway. you better sidestep that. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm a big UConn fan at this point right now. I'm riding the Huskies. So you hard. and Audrey are gonna have a have a heated uh, game for Miami and UConn. Uh, yeah. So April Saturday, April Fool's Day is gonna be we're gonna be fooling because I'm gonna be cheering for UConn <laughs> and she is gonna be cheering oh for Miami. My God. It's gonna be it's gonna uh, be tough in this house. So <laughs> a four versus a five. Miami is the five, UConn the four. That game starts at 7.50 on Saturday, April 1st. 
I was going to say, you went in backwards order for these games. I did. Because this is the game that I wanted to get to. Because this is just a total... This one completely screwed everybody, no matter how hard you want to... like. This one was the worst side of the bracket for everybody. Roll Aztecs, baby. San Diego... I watched this game on the plane. I also watched the Miami-Houston game on the plane. Houston looked like complete shit. And I will say that with confidence. Houston looked wow. like shit. They couldn't. Heated. They couldn't shoot. Like at all, the three they lived when you live and die by the three. It's legit because Creighton lives and die, dies by the three, and Creighton held their own against San Diego State. Very very good. There was a controversial call, which frankly, I I really don't know where I get the fact that it was a, a very light push on the hip. It's going to get called regardless. Yes, the game should not have been decided by that call. Because I will say, that's a really shitty call to make at the end of the game. But a foul is a foul. Yeah. yeah. I understand where Creighton fans and like Nebraska, like people from Nebraska who like Creighton, which I like Creighton basketball. I like Big Red basketball. I don't really have a rival in that one. I'll cheer for whoever is better that season. Not going to lie. Bandwagon, I'll hop on it. But that wagon, you it, love to see it. Exactly. But that foul never really had it, it was very controversial. That game probably should have went into overtime and it would have been a much better much better ending. But San Diego State on that side of the bracket, honestly, to me, was the real team to beat. I mean, they had a they just looked sound from top to bottom. When they played Alabama on the game on Friday, which I watched, Alabama was very they had their big run to come back in the half, get a big lead uh, of the first half, and then all of a sudden, halfway through, they started struggling a little bit. And this is the problem with Alabama is they had a young team. So everybody was picking them to win. They had the best stats out of everybody, which was true. On paper, they looked like the best team. Everybody, and myself included, probably should have looked at, yeah, they're very young. They don't have a lot of experience there. Granted, neither does San Diego State. But at the same time, when you have a big powerhouse that doesn't have a lot of experience, there's a lot of pressure riding on that. And when you're a five seed going up against a one, you don't got much pressure. San Diego State exposed that. They ended up getting a big win, and then they pushed past Creighton. Now, if you want to talk about not having any pressure built up against you, but you want to have a personal vendetta going against you, the FAU Owls did exactly that. Because we talked about it on the last podcast that we wanted Tennessee to beat their brakes off clean. Well, <laughs> go for it. They're they're. I don't. I, I, I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> they were a lovable team. Oh. For everything but the last four seconds of the game. Facts. But what you did in the last four seconds, there's a reason nobody wanted you to beat Tennessee. Oh, yeah. And then beat Kansas State. Well, But, you know, good things happen to those who show off and miss baskets, I guess. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> for those of you who hadn't seen it, which if you hadn't, you kind of live under a rock. Um, FAU against Farley Dickerson, or, yeah, Farley Dickerson, Decided to, with four seconds left, already beat him by eight. Tried to pull a windmill slam dunk. It ends horribly. The guy breaks it off the rim entirely. Oh, and it was bad. It was bad. Like, this ball bounced probably another 20 yards up court. That thing went to the moon and came back. Oh, my gosh. 
I mean, you couldn't have missed a dunk any worse to try to put the exclamation point on it. Like, and if I remember right, no one's around him because the game. Oh yeah. If you so want, no one's defending him, and he still screws it up. If you want to learn how to dunk, go back to Florida Gulf Coast back in like 2014. They'll show you how to do oh, it, right. and Michigan right. State will sit there and they'll watch that tape in pain, but they'll say, "Yeah, that's how you dunk." That's how it's done, son. Yeah, and then. Big win over Tennessee, 62-55, to which that game also, I did watch a little bit of that. FAU looks like a very, because they've got nothing to lose. They are the lowest seed in the tournament right now in the Final Four, and I don't know the last time a nine seed has ever made the Final Four. I might have to look this up quick. But they come against the Kansas well, I was thinking there was an 11 not too long ago. And that's what I'm thinking, too. Like, uh, here. Butler... UConn maybe did it. Last lowest seed to make a Final Four. Yeah, here we go. I got this. Okay. So Florida Atlantic is not the last team, or is not the lowest seed to make a Final Four. Um, no, we knew that. Oh, it was UCLA in 2021. I knew it was recent. I couldn't remember who it was, though. That's like you 11. just said. Yeah. Um, so. Here, here's the list. If anybody wants to know, um, Butler and UConn, I'm telling you, are probably. I would bet Butler's on there. Uh, actually, Butler is not on there. So the the lowest seed to actually make a Final Four is an 11 seed, and all the teams that have done this is LSU in '86, uh, George Mason in 2006, right? VCU in '11, Loyola Chicago. Everybody forgets about good old right. Loyola Chicago. That was in 18, and then UCLA, the most recent, in 2021. And I don't know... So, Butler must have been like a nine seed then. Because they were pretty low when they made that run. Butler, I think, was a... They were a six or a nine, if I remember right. Yeah, I think you're on that one. Because... And that that tournament was hard. Because they had to go up against Duke in the final. And that game came down to the nail. And... So... But... FAU passes a very, 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 and I will, there's not enough varies to get how far this is. Very tough Kansas State team. I mean, this Kansas State the team. coach paid him a visit after the loss. Which, yeah, and, okay, you want to talk about. Internet debate of whether he should or should. Personally, I'm going to go with, yeah, maybe you should not have just because. Your team is kind of suffering right now, like, but I understand as Kansas State, like, you guys got there, you fought through one of the toughest conferences in basketball to make the tournament as a three seed, and you fought your way through a very tough Kentucky team, and then a Michigan State team who, in the tournament of March, gets very, very hot. You beat Tom Izzo in overtime, 98-93, to so you had everything coming. And then you lose by three. It was a sports... Like, sportsmanship was definitely there, and I pride the coach on that for Kansas State. However, when it comes to a loyalty factor, that yeah, that might be a little shaky on your end there, dude. So. It is a little, because that's kind of where I was at. I'm like, I don't yeah. think he was over there very long. No, it was just a, hey. And I mean, I, I get the whole, <clears throat> excuse me, I get the whole, you know, you guys did great, you beat us, whatever. Oh, yeah. Save it for the press conference. Yeah, like you have this thing where you go and you talk to the press and you talk about the game, like. 
Yeah, well, there's there was a lot to be said about that. It's all done now. Yeah, both good and bad. Like it, it could be seen as both. So, but the final four set up. They're playing in the title game. I'm telling you, dude. They're only three point favorites from the Florida Atlantic, and they're going to tangle with. I'm thinking UConn. I was UConn, pretty sizable favorites over Miami. Yeah, and I. would be here for an Aztec title, baby. That the would, bracket was busted four rounds ago, <laughs> so I really don't care at this point. But I'm, San Diego State would be awesome to see them win one. I'm kind of I'm hit or miss on that side. Like I would Mountain West winning the uh, a uh, non-power five winning the NCAA tournament would be tremendous. Okay, so so here's where. This question lies. I might have to cut this out because this is so. This is a weird, weird thing. You have your your power fives in all of college sports, which this right. relates around. You have the SEC, the Big Twelve, the Pac twelve, the Big Ten, and and then um, the ACC. ACC. I about freaked. And the Pac twelve is by far the weakest one. We don't yes. need to revisit this. We've rehashed it plenty of times oh, yeah. about how Pac twelve football is terrible. So come, it's, it's Pac twelve uh, over dark or at night or whatever the hell it is, and that's what makes it great. Yeah, is once you're done watching, you know, we'll you say, got quote unquote real football. You, you get to watch like Oregon State play Cal in two teams that aren't good. But anyway. So here's where this question lies, because I've heard this talked about before. Does basketball, this is kind of a two-sided question, does college basketball have a power six, or does college basketball have a power five, the sixth conference being the Big East, and if it's a power five, do you sub out the Pac-12 for no, the Big East? Absolutely not. Okay. I, I, I would make the argument it's a power six. Because the there, thing about okay. the Pac-12 in basketball is you get your UCLA's, your Oregon, your Colorado's from time to time. Uh, you know, USC's done it too. Okay. Where they'll go a couple rounds in. So, you know, I don't mind the, the disrespect for college football for the Pac-12. Because, you know, outside <laughs> like Oregon and Washington a couple times. Washington they're, they're is on there. the up. It's, Washington is on the up. Well, here's the, the, the Pac-12 is, and the Big 12 are having a race to see who's the worst conference once Texas, once Texas and Oklahoma leave. Well, and think about this. Because you're going to have you, like Kansas, Kansas and Iowa State are going to run the Big 12 for football. If they go to the you know college football playoffs, and we'll talk about this more in a couple months, but if they go to the college football playoffs, they're going to get annihilated. By I don't give a crap if it's a Big Ten team. I don't give a crap if it's an ACC team. I don't give a crap if it's an SEC team. You could even I I would put a Pac-12 team against that. If you get a good you know Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, whoever mm-hmm. against. Whatever remnants of the Big Twelve's gonna be there, but yeah, I'd say Power Six. Well, because you know the Big East is good, and you definitely would leave them in 
you know, an expanded power grouping, but well, you, know, you got I was, ACC, Big East, Mountain West, and whatever whatever conference Florida Atlantic's in. Yeah. So no matter who wins Florida Atlantic or the San Diego State game. Florida Atlantic, I think, is the Sun Belt, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, let's, let, me, let me look here. I, gotta, I was going to say, I don't think there's Sun Belt. No, they're Conference USA. Oh, Jesus. The CUSA. So, so conf- you're going to either have Conference USA and Mountain West is going to represent half of the men's basketball title against the ACC of the Big East. So you're going to have, you know, a non-Power 6 versus a Power 6 team. I still, I'd love to see San Diego State win the whole thing. I, to be honest, I would maybe agree with that. I would like to see maybe one of the sides from the well, non-Power you 6. you want to win so I, you can- Brag about how you called it from the start. I do want UConn to win. Well, I didn't have UConn winning. I had Alabama winning. I want UConn at least in the championship game. The the one reason I want UConn to lose so is UConn because my can get there and lose to San Diego State. Yeah, I'd be over here. I'd be all right with that because I know. Here's my thing. I know that um, whoever makes it on either side. Excuse me. Sorry. Wow, that was bad. Um, whoever makes it on either side. This Miami team is very, they're quick, they're tough, they can play very, very good prevent defense. When it comes to especially backcourt, Miami is one of the toughest teams to play in this tournament. And like everybody kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt just because they were a very scrappy team last year, making it to the Elite Eight, and then lost a lot of guys. So Miami has been in this situation before with a lot of these, this team that they have now with that being said they lost a couple of big shooters so it was interesting it was going to be interesting to see how this offense was able to deal especially with a team when you have um indiana who played kent state at the beginning this indiana team went through a big 10 gauntlet like no other and then came out pretty good and then you also had on the other side of the bracket you had houston and a very tough auburn team as well iowa was a very tough i mean if you look at this whole entire side for miami the entire odds were against him because you had a Penn State team from the Big Ten who was not the greatest, but, I mean, they had they could shoot, and they had one of the best players in the country in Penn State. You had a Texas A&M team who had a very rough ACC or SEC schedule. You had Iowa State, who was one of those Big Ten teams that was – or Big 12 teams that made the tournament because they had an above 500 record for conference play, just like 90% of the conference – you had, and they are the single biggest synergic. Yep. That team, the Iowa State Cyclones, are the single biggest letdown of the entire tournament. Facts. And that includes Virginia. You know, I can't think you could argue Purdue, maybe. Yeah. But when you look at middle, conf- middle like, Virginia and uh, Iowa State was one, and there was a couple others that, you know, whatever other upsets happened. Iowa State absolutely was the you can't even describe what you watched 30 points with like three minutes to go in a college men's basketball game in the big tournament you're not even talking the NIT or the CBI tournament you're talking about the big one 30 points they get 41 and they get thumped by 18 or whatever it was you talk about it, just an abysmal performance. 
when it matters most. I mean, you know, Virginia, you know, they, it was one bad pass and a clutch three. But Iowa State was, you're just gouging your eyes out the entire time you're watching it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was nuts. They, Iowa State, and I will say this from my, my brackets from the moment that UAB beat them, the, I think it was my senior or junior year in high school. When UAB beat them, I realized that, oh, all right, you may not have a lot of trust in Iowa State at all for when it comes to the tournament, just because they have proven since then they are not a big tournament team. They can still shoot, they can, but at this year, they couldn't shoot. So they did nothing. No. They couldn't play defense. For future reference, Iowa State, not. Not as good as the hype a says. Good team to avoid with picking, uh, even when there are two or three seeds, they still don't win. Yeah. So there's your there's your piece of idea for that. But then going through the rest of the side of the bracket, I mean, you had Houston, who was arguably one of the best teams in the country, especially when it comes to defense. Granted, you could argue that they didn't have a a tough strength of schedule, which is true, but still, you have to still be very good at defense to not allow 55 points a game. You had right. an Auburn team who was very dangerous as a nine seed. Like, this Auburn team was stacked. You had an Iowa right. team who also went through the Big Ten gauntlet. And then you, you start throwing it through the higher seeds. You had Texas who was dominating the Big 12, flip-flopping with Baylor at the end of the year. You had and Z- Kansas. Yeah, and Kansas. So, Baylor, Kansas, Texas all swapping in the Big 12. I believe Texas took the regular season title and won the tournament, if I remember they correctly. They blew Kansas out in the tournament Yes. Title, yeah. And then you have um, Xavier, who, for the Big East, wins out the Big East, beats UConn, beats a very deadly Creighton team. And so Miami had a tough road to go, and then especially when you get to the, the Elite Eight and you face a Texas team who can play defense and you win by a score of 88 to 81, and you are able to make a couple of late shots, this Miami team looks very deadly. So I think UConn has their their hands full, but defensively, UConn so far in the tournament, over Iona, granted, it's the Gales, that's fine, 87 to 63. Over a St. Mary's team who played Gonzaga and kept up in that conference, 70 to 55. So a very good St. Mary's team who was a five seed in the tournament, Beat them by 15. Then you have, if that math adds up, because I can't think right now. Then you have an Arkansas team who upset Kansas, yes, by one, but upset a very good Kansas team. And Arkansas, I've watched a couple of their games this year. They they can play ball. They can play a lot of defense. The scoring didn't help for Arkansas. UConn ends up blowing the brakes off of them 80-65. to 65. And then I got to watch this game a little bit in Alabama. You face a Gonzaga team with good old 15-year veteran Timmy on the team. And <laughs> just Gonzaga looked in shambles. UConn holds that off. So, I mean, UConn's side of the bracket, very, very strong still when you have teams like Gonzaga, TCU, who's a tough team, UCLA on that, Kansas was there, Illinois. I mean, the list goes on and on and on for both sides. I mean, it it was tough no matter what route you had. I think the toughest team in the tournament that had a big route was Miami. I think if you really want to argue who had the second toughest, as I'm kind of looking here, I, I'm going to make the argument to FAU just because 
you beat a Memphis team who's decent. You have to come turn back around and play uh, Farley Dickerson, who was the Cinderella story, and even that game was close. And Dickerson was a no or Dickinson was a nobody. And fine, take a win off of that. But they're a Cinderella story. When you have that magic, it's a tough team to play. You have a Tennessee team who's very FAU is very undersized. You beat Tennessee. Good for you. You come against the K-State team who just had a big test against Michigan State. That's a huge win for you. Looking at the other side with San Diego State, you had Charleston, uh, Furman who upset one of the best defensive teams in the country in Virginia, and then you win against an Alabama team who, like I said, was young but still had a lot to offer on the table. And then you come back and beat a Creighton team who went through the Big East and then also a very, very strong team in Baylor. And Creighton lives and dies by the three. I'll give them that. They still were living by that three that entire night. Defense for both teams was there with a fifty-five or a fifty-seven to fifty-six game. I would love to see probably a San Diego State UConn championship. That would be huge. So yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I don't really care who San Diego State matches up with. I'd just like to see them in the title. Oh yeah. And then we're gonna go ahead and flip it to the women's. Please do. I was getting ready to heavily. Emphasis on heavily biased for this. Final four, LSU, Virginia Tech. Early numbers, LSU's favored by two as the low seed. Iowa goes against the juggernaut of juggernauts. South Carolina undefeated. They really, they've had a couple close games. I think UConn played them close. They had a conference game in overtime. But listen to the scores. South Carolina, Wales on Maryland by 11, beats UCLA 59-43. That's kind of like not hyper impressive. South Florida, they beat 76-45. Their first round game, they win 72-40. You go back to the SEC tournament, they beat Tennessee by uh, 74-58. South Carolina uh, beats Ole Miss 80-51. And in the first uh, quarterfinal of the SEC tournament, 93-66 against Arkansas. So they're rolling. But, you know, as the good old Iowa boy that I am. Oh, yeah. How about this Hawkeye team? They are aging like fine wine when it's coming to scoring. 95 in the first round against the cocky Southeast Louisiana team that never stood a chance. They get tested by Georgia. Things get a little... Feisty at the end from Georgia, 74-66. Colorado hangs around kind of in an 87-77. You're noticing a nice little pattern of more scoring in each round. How about this one? Elite 8, 97 points in an Elite 8 game in women's basketball. That's unheard of. That's insane. 33rd quarter points. After Iowa fell off the plane, apparently, because they got down eight or ten right out of the gate. But well, ninety-seven and in a elite eight game is insanity. And so, a part of that ninety-eight points, forty of them alone came from. And uh, this might be a little cringy to say, came from America's sweetheart and. When she's on the basketball court, she ain't a sweetheart. She will, she'll, she'll tear you up. Caitlin Clark, 
scores 40 points and gets a triple-double in 41. the Elite. Yeah, 41. Sorry, Just 41 points out. in the Elite Eight. The Dowling, the Dowling Catholic product for those uh, Iowa fans. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this... 41. She is... She's the catalyst. I mean... Oh, she is so crazy to what Like, women's basketball, like I said, we've talked about this and I'm not entirely sure if we talked about this last week. Women's basketball is one of those things when you come to the championship and you come to March Madness for women's basketball, the upsets are a lot harder to try. Minimal. Yeah, they're they're very minimal. They're minimal. Like we've said, nothing against the women's You've got tournament. A two two ones, a two and a three. Yeah. That's your seeds. You're pretty much looking at the higher seeds take the cake. Miami tried to be a big upset this year. They ended up getting past a couple of teams with the Cavender sisters and everything, which was a big pickup for them. Because, I mean, if you've watched those girls play, a lot of guys have probably, a lot of people have probably seen their TikToks because that's all they're pretty much famous uh, for on that side. Yeah. But if you actually if you actually watch them play together, having twins on the court, it's it's pretty dynamic for that team. But Miami was probably the upset Cinderella team um, for this year for women's women's basketball. Then you throw it back to South Carolina being the number one, Iowa being the number two. But, I mean, if you look at this team, I, I really think that Iowa probably could bring a natty home to campus. Here's the thing. If Iowa can pull the upset upset, they're an 11.5-point dog. Realistically, they're probably going to be favored in the title game. Oh yeah, especially if you get like LSU. But having Which, said that, you're gonna you're gonna have to beat a behemoth to get there. Oh I mean, yeah, South Carolina is stout. You're gonna you're gonna have to beat a UConn, and granted, for women's basketball, for those of you who don't know, UConn had the longest streak of an undefeated seat or of an undefeated record, I believe, in sports history. Yeah, they were for the women's team with 150 plus wins, stretching over multiple seasons and titles, until they finally lost to Mississippi State, which was like two years ago. Yep. Now you have a South Carolina team who is doing the exact same thing that UConn has done to people in the past. Blow teams out of the water, make teams look just bad. Like they are a they're a bad mamma jamma. They're they're a bad, bad team. But then also looking at the other side of this, you mentioned LSU. You got the lady herself who is channeling the inner lady Vols coach. Good old Kim Mulkey, who she you know, calling calling her good uh, is, is a stretch, but you know, yeah. but she's she's very very vocal on the basketball court. But listing it out for those who don't know, for the women's basketball seating, LSU is the lowest seed. They're a three. You got a Virginia Tech team who's punched their ticket to the title. They're a number one. You've got South Carolina who's a number one, and you got Iowa. And like JC said. You got to go through a gauntlet of a South Carolina team who is thirty-six and zero. Yeah, thirty-six and zero won an SEC title. Very, very and strong. And they annihilated their conference. Yeah. They annihilated the conference tournament. 
But, I you mean, know, Caitlin Clark won player of the year. So, you know, yeah. that. And Finally. that's. She should have won it last year, but, you know. Yeah. But. And that's the thing that you got to look at, though, for Iowa. I mean, granted, yes, it's not just Caitlin Clark. There are a lot of people on that team. But when you have a girl who is shooting at Steph Curry range, draining shots, as competitive as she is, literally there was a clip from the last game. It was, shut up, you're losing by you're losing by 12. Like, if she has that amount of fire to truly just stomp anybody she and walks apart the by. The thing about her is she's not just the scorer that everybody talks about. No. She facilitates the basketball well. Like, she has a point of, like, 33 of, 31 of 33 points in one of the rounds she either scored or assisted on. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, it goes deeper than the scoring. So, Iowa is potentially in line to pull off probably the biggest upset in school history when it comes to women's basketball. Well, they've been to the Final Four. This will be their second time. I think the other one was like 93 or something. So, Personally, when it comes to the other one, for Virginia Tech and LSU, I don't have a dog in the fight. Give a giant shrug whoever gets Get to the title yeah. third. Hopefully they're hopefully they're meeting Iowa. And and granted, I'll say this. I'm I'm not an Iowa fan. Not. No, you're not. By by <laughs> any any stretch of the means, I'm not an Iowa fan. Um I I will this is I hold on, I have to take Boy, a moment. you're having a lot of you're you're I have you're to, having a lot of pain to say what you're about to say. I have to take a moment to say this. <laughs> Hold on here. I have to sit up. This hurts. Um, I I would love to see Iowa beat South Carolina and possibly wow, win a national title. Nebraska fan. Ooh. It would oh – gosh, I don't like this. this, <laughs> this the is, amount of physical pain. It, it hurts. You'd love to see Iowa win oh, yeah. that. Is but – it, it would just – it would be really cool for the state and especially for Caitlin Clark with – the career that she has had at Iowa, it would be great for her to cap off a player of the year with a national title. Will it happen? That is the real probably. question. It probably, it very, I, I very, very it. well could. There's a very like I good said chance. When I started the conversation, heavily, heavy, heavy bias. Like our next topic. Like if you tell me, if you ask me if you think the Devils can win the Stanley Cup, the answer is absolutely. Oh, 100%. <laughs> So, so, but yeah, I, I they could do it. They could pull it off. At this point, it's the same on the men's side. You are the last four teams here. There's going to be lines. There's going to be favorites. But at this point, you've made it this far. Oh yeah. I mean, you you can't just fumble your way through five rounds of basketball. Yeah, and I I will say this though. Whoever comes out on top in this game, it's not going to be a low scoring affair. <laughs> it's not not if Iowa no. play not if not if it goes the way uh, the Hawkeyes will play the best in you're gonna have like a ninety five ninety final. I'm 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 seeing this South Carolina Iowa game going. Just oh this is this might get this might just get bloody. It's gonna be a scoring affair. I think you're looking at like ninety eight ninety three in overtime. I would I would not put that I past. I can see that game going to overtime. Oh, but if you I go would to laugh. overtime, you might hit triple digits. So. Oh yeah, that would be that would be astounding. 
So, I'm pretty sure it's both safe to say we have Iowa in the women's game. For the men's side of the tournament, we want a San Diego State-UConn. Sorry, FAU. I the, the sportsmanship still hurts. It's stuck. It's... But you you yeah. go do whatever you want. If you beat San Diego State, by all means, if UConn's not in the tournament, I might have to cheer there for you against there. Miami. Because I this there so, is no scenario where I want Florida Atlantic to win the whole thing. Oh wow! Just because of that, no, I don't care if they play Miami. I don't care if they play UConn. You just don't get to do what they did. Facts. <laughs> like. I, I get it. You're pumped work. up. You won. You're a nine seed. But Ugh. yeah, you just don't get to do that. My, what are you doing? I'm trying to, cause dude, all of my sports logic hurts right now because the two teams that, <laughs> cause one, uh, I just said that I have to, that I'm going to root for Iowa to win a national title on a podcast. So it's out there. It's going to be produced. My voice saying this is out there. It's recorded. I can't go back. We're just going to hit that. We're just going to hit that button and play it randomly. I hope Iowa wins the national championship. But wait, (laughs) so here's the thing. If Miami plays FAU or Miami plays, if Miami plays San Diego state, I'm San Diego state all the way. But as a Cornhusker fan, I can't just do that to two teams that are some of our biggest friggin' rivals when it comes to friggin' sports. I'm not going to choose Miami. I can't, I physically can't do that. In two, I, I already used all my bad juju picking Iowa, so now the Cornhuskers are going to just probably shit themselves down the toilet this season again. Yeah, more than they already do. Hold on here. i got to do, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear Lord, <laughs> please let Nebraska not suck for football this year. Please let Mark Rural get us on the right path and just go to town. Thank you. Amen. Um. But blessings and prayers. Yeah, but no, <laughs> dude, I physically cannot pick Miami. Like, no matter how this comes out, even with the poor sportsmanship, <laughs> even with the poor dude, I can't do that to myself. To actually, I probably could just uh, poor sportsmanship trumps a rivalry at this point. Okay, so I'll be fine with picking Miami. I'm just gonna do it. God's got my so back. So what I'm hearing, <laughs> God's got my back for Nebraska football, and I'm at tremendous high now. <laughs> We're going to get off of basketball because your two brain cells are fighting each other pretty hard. We're going to go to another sport where you can hear the X-Files theme song in the background when Nick talks about it. It's it's NHL. Devils get a monster win tonight. 2-1 over the New York Rangers. The Rock was rocking. Eric Halla gets a goal. Timo Meyer gets a power play goal. Uh, Rangers get a power play goal back. Vitek Vanacek looks great in the net. Um, also, Carolina lost in it to Woo-hoo. the Red Wings in regulation. So what that means, you're thinking to yourself, why do I care? Well, here's why you care. Why do I care? Carolina, <laughs> 70, well, you know, for a team like <laughs> yours, it's probably not going to be in the playoffs. You don't care. But anyway, hey. we'll talk about that in a second. Hold up. Wait a second. We'll get there eventually. We're talking about teams that have Stanley Cup aspirations, there and Florida's go. not one of them. Nope. Um, so the Rangers, 98 points, 75 games played. Devils are now 102 with 75 games played. That puts them back within a point of Carolina. Carolina's only played 74 games. So if Carolina loses – the Devils are back within a point, which means they have a shot at the division title. 
that's the big thing. Also, Vegas clinched today. They're the first West Coast uh, Western Conference team to coast uh, to clinch. Easy for me to say. Uh, they're also getting uh, beat by the Sharks at the moment, one nothing. So take that for what it's worth. Panthers do get a nice win over the Canadians by two. Senators, uh, Flyers came back in this game, tied it at four after being down four one. Senators win in overtime. Lightning clobber the Capitals five one. Hurricanes lose to the Red Wings three two. Blues beat the Blackhawks and another two teams that don't matter because they're not going to be in the playoffs five three. So, playoff standings. Hit the X-File music because <laughs> it's all going over old Nick's head. It's, uh, it's the been top over. Seed in the, the, yeah, well, there is that. Top seed in the Eastern Conference is Boston, 121 points. It's been known they, they're, they're smoldering for the regular season. That's how good they are. Uh, second in the Atlantic is Toronto, who's also clinched a playoff berth, by the way. 98 points. Tampa third with 94. Metro division is loaded like a freight train. There's going to be three teams that are going to be over 100 points. Carolina clinched a playoff berth with 103 points. New Jersey clinched a playoff berth, berth first since the 17-18 season. They're at 102 points. Rangers have also clinched. They're at 98 points. So you go to the wild card teams. The New York Islanders realistically, you know, you got what six games to go could conceivably fall out of the playoff race because they only have a four-point lead. But the way they've been playing, they feel pretty safe for that top um, top wild card seed. This is where it gets interesting. Pittsburgh's at 84 points. Florida is only a point back but has played one more game. So if Pittsburgh loses, then it gets interesting. Ottawa's five points back, but so the Florida Panthers have an outside chance of playing, but if they get in, they're going to go to Boston, and it's probably going to be short-lived. So, Damn. But if the season ended today, Pittsburgh would go to Boston, the Islanders would be uh, against Carolina, Toronto, Tampa, and New York, New Jersey. And then on the western side, Minnesota is a seemingly should clinch any given second. They're 97 points. They have turned it on big in the last month. Uh, you know, with I, there's probably a couple podcasts ago where I was talking smack about Minnesota, but um, they lead the Central, Dallas and Colorado at 94, which is good news for Minnesota. They'll avoid playing Colorado or St. Louis in the first round because they wouldn't be either. Uh, Vegas clinched today, and then LA and Edmonton are the other two teams. The race for the wild card, Seattle's at 88. Uh, Winnipeg's 85. And then right behind them, Calgary and Nashville are both within three points of the final spot. In the West, it would be Dallas and Colorado, which is really compelling first round matchup there. LA versus Edmonton. Winnipeg would get Vegas, but barely. Seattle gets Minnesota, which if I'm the Wild, I don't love that matchup one bit. Um, I think the Kraken would give the Wild a run for their money, but Vegas would get Winnipeg, so there you go. Hockey. Yeah. 
So, you know, as we like to do, in the league, the rankings, top three stay the same. Boston, Carolina, New Jersey, Toronto, New York, or Vegas, then New York. So five of the top six teams in the league are from the East. And the conference, New Jersey's third, but could take over second. You know, depends on how things play out. Uh, it's it's going to be a good run to the finish here. And, you know, for New Jersey, we'll talk about what they got coming up here, uh, if I can find it. Coming up on the first, they're in Chicago to take on a Blackhawks team that they should win that game. Then they get an interesting one when they go to Winnipeg on the second. That's one that's a good playoff one. They get the Penguins on the fourth. They should win. Blue Jackets on the sixth. They should win. Then they get a showdown. ESPN, mark it down on your calendars. It could be an Eastern Conference final preview. Devils at the Boston Bruins on the AFC. They get the Sabres on the 11th and wrap up in our nation's capital on the 13th, the regular season, that is, when they take on the Capitals. Postseason starts April 17th. Solid. There you go. That's... So, you know, you look at these final seven games and you could pencil in they should win at minimum four of seven. But you can make an argument they could go seven for seven. It just depends. But they got a big one tonight. They uh, beat a Rangers team that it pains me to say this out loud, but it's pretty good. So We've all been it, saying things that hurt the heart tonight, so it's all right. Uh, it, <laughs> it'll make for a heck of a first round, I'll tell you that. You know, the Rangers and Devils, I think I've met six or seven times. And the Jeez. Rangers... Uh, in the first in the playoffs, um, and the Devils have only held the home field advantage three or four times, so it'll be fun. But you know, I'm just at the point where my team's making a playoff, so here we go. Yeah, any time that your team makes the playoff, no matter, I'll say this because, like I've said before, I will go to hockey games and I would love to watch more. But any time that your team makes the playoffs even if you probably could consider yourself a bandwagon or whatever after a couple of years, you get invested. So if the Florida Panthers make the playoffs or even the last couple of games, I might have to, you know, turn on the good old good old television and try to see if I can find a Florida Panthers game to watch the last couple just to see how that goes. So, but yeah, the Stanley Cup playoffs are always still, even though hockey is a northern sport, the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup Finals still go very hard in America. You get a oh, lot yeah. of fans for it. I mean, it's it's no slouch over. But, but with that, I think yeah. As we awkwardly transition, have we have we talked about everything? I mean, here here's the thing: we could definitely go go on so many other rabbit holes. We definitely could. There's there is no doubt about that. But I don't I, think your brain can handle another rabbit hole. My brain can't, and I bet your stomach can't, because JC told me before we were going to start the podcast that he was trying to order food, and he is with family at the moment. So if we oh, need yeah. to, if we need to get going for JC, we can make next week's longer. Because here's the the current schedule for good old Nicholas. Turkey season starts on April 10th in the good state of Iowa. So we're moving towards that. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. 
with that. So weeknights might be a little hard. Mornings are going to be early, but we're still going to get episodes out. But JC right now is on a little family vacay, so we can let him get back to whatever he's got cooking or hopefully Uber Eats or ordered or something. Right, right. So, without you further know, and ado, I, I, I just want to say this too, you know, you talked about, you know, the was not critical as in a harsh way, but that I didn't have an Instagram account. Well, yeah, oh. between you and my coworkers, I've been coerced into getting one. So, yes. there you go. <laughs> we do. It's out there. I'm not going to tell you what it is. If you look hard enough, you can probably find it. <laughs> I was going to say, big news on that end because JC now officially has an Instagram. So, if you can figure it out, Covert Show fans, Covert Show faithful, figure it out because. I mean, we might not be able to give away anything because we don't have anything to give away because we don't got merch, sadly. We should, uh, the you more know, people that follow the did, show, we should. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, at some point, we'll, uh, I think we just eclipsed 100 followers on uh, good old TikTok. There so, we go. Cheers to us. We're, um, we're moving. You know, at some point we will, but I don't really know what to give away, to be quite honest with you. Oh, yeah. We might have and to. How many people do we know that are fans of the New Jersey Devils or the Florida Panthers or the Chicago Cubs, maybe, but the Toronto, Toronto Blue, Blue Jays, Jays Nebraska Cornhuskers? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> do a giveaway that hurts our listeners. Nebraska football, that's. Probably not a good one. So I will say this. So one of our faithful TikTok or one of our faithful followers is good old Dr. Jack, aka Kenny Wexler. He so I'll give away a little bit of his life plan here. He does have aspirations of moving back to the good old Midwest. He is still kind oh, of Oh boy. He's leaning towards a little bit more of the Nebraska side just because of financial purpose. But right. this also kind of twists my brain a little bit. So for college, for college, my brain's already twisted, so it doesn't matter. For college football, back in Nevada, you only have pretty much two teams for Division One. You've got UNLV and you've got Nevada Reno, the Wolfpack. Nevada has not been good for I don't even know when. Ever? Yeah, UNLV, their only claim to fame is basketball back in like the 80s and maybe late or early 90s. So The running rebels. The running rebels, which... That was a deadly team. Holy shit. Back in the late 80s and early 90s, college basketball was just a phenom. It was insane. Long story short here, Kenny, being my roommate, Minnesota and Nebraska games were two of the biggest things in our suite because we had had three roommates from Minnesota. We had two roommates in our suite from Nebraska, me and Grant Osika. And then Kenny was stuck in the middle. Well, look who picked Kenny up as a best friend and has had him on a podcast. And because of that, and because watching my love and hate for this team, and for his love and hate for the Dodgers, and everything else that has gone his way, Kenny has rumored to be leaning towards being a GBR fan. Mostly because he never got into Iowa football. But. So we might have just picked up one more Nebraska fan on the podcast. For those of you that are out there listening, if you're Nebraska fans, please come forward and state so. Be proud. Be sad, but be proud. Or, <laughs> or just stay closeted because you don't want to be shamed. Well, I just get I just get shamed. <laughs> you know, on the you daily, hear so. you hear how Nick gets shamed on this podcast. 
but you hear how I take it. That's the big one. So, but with that, without further ado, MLB opening day has officially come and a success. You yes, love it. Come and Everything gone. Everything about it is tremendous. Baseball is back in America. The NHL playoffs are about to just be heating up. March Madness was just a shit show, and it's going to still be a shit show for the next three days. So buckle up, kick your feet back, grab a cold bush latte, because like we said, we ain't sponsored, but we're damn near trying. We're trying. We drink a lot of it on the show, so we're trying to get sponsored. The NFL draft is coming up at the end of April, which we might have to do kind of a draft-specific segment on one of the next couple of shows just to see and figure out who's going to go first and what's going to happen with teams because Chicago traded away their first pick and Carolina got screwed. So, But without further ado to anybody, if JC doesn't have anything else to add, does he? You know, we'll have this out, you know, in the upcoming days. So this will probably be a... This will probably be a Friday podcast. So sounds good. So hopefully you guys have a fun Friday. Hopefully you guys have a fun weekend wherever you are. And JC's still going to be enjoying some St. Louis. I'm going to be enjoying the nice weather here in Iowa. I got my cornhole boards back here at the house, so we're going to have to break those out this weekend. But without further ado, for all of you, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Hopefully you guys have a great start to your next one. And this has been JC and Nick on the Covert Show. We will see you next time. Peace out, folks.